Welcome to Weston's Sermon Podcast of the Week. We're so glad you joined us today. If you've been encouraged by our ministry and would like to support us financially, you can do so at westonroadchurch.com slash give. Thanks again for joining us, and we hope you enjoy this week's message. Amen. So I'm excited to jump into the Word today. I love worship. I'm so grateful for all of our volunteers. Everyone on stage is a volunteer. No one's a paid musician. Uh, I've been to churches where they pay their musicians. It's been excellent, but our people volunteer their time. And I don't like the word volunteer. They serve. They serve the Lord, and, uh, and I'm just so grateful. They're here 8 a.m. every Sunday. We have many other people in the kids' ministry that serve. No one's paid. We do it willingly for the Lord, and I just want to say thank you to everyone at Weston who serves in that capacity. Um, that being said, I love worship. I could do it all day, but we have to at some point get to the Word today. I believe that today's message um, is applicable for everyone. This is our prayer every single week. And also that you will leave here with something that you can grasp. That's something that you can hold on to as you head into your week and into the rest of your life. Can you say amen? Um, but I remember uh, attending worship events when I was younger, mainly when I was single, because um, now it's a bit different when my wife's with me, but I used to st- like be one of the last people to leave. Why? Well, I would, I'm a musician at heart. I played drums for my whole life, and now I learned a bunch of other instruments, but I would stay till the very end in hopes that I could get a chance to speak with some of the people. Why? Because I was so interested to learn about music and to learn more, to, to glean from people who were doing things that I was not at, uh, yet at that level. And so I would stay, I would be one of the last people in hopes that I could just kind of catch the drummer's attention. And oftentimes, more often than not, I would get the opportunity. And, uh, and so I love staying that. I remember um, for the first time I met a famous drummer, like really famous gospel drummer, and I snagged a great picture that I have right here on the screen. Can we put that picture up? It's coming. There you go. It's a little dark because back in the day we didn't have good iPhones. This was like an old, like, I think it was actually film uh, that I had to like digitize later. But on the left, his name is Marvin McQuitty. And on the right, Terrence Palmer, they were playing for Israel Houghton that night in New Jersey, Perth Amboy, New Jersey. We drove four hours there to this free worship night and drove four hours back to Bible school. Um, And the interesting thing is he's a gospel legend, so to speak. I know we're saying, well, isn't Jesus the only true hero? But follow me for a second. Um, He played on Fred Hammond, Pages of Life. Chapters 1 and 2, anyone familiar with Fred Hammond, gospel, yeah. And so I remember listening to those albums when I was like 19 years old saying, oh my goodness, this musicianship is, I can't even process what he's playing. And I got to hear him and then go talk to them. And they're super normal, humble servants of the Lord. Marvin McQuitty passed away from an illness. And uh, I remember when I heard about his passing, I posted this on Instagram, I think it was, to some, some worship drummer community that I'm a part of. And it was just, it left a mark on me. And here's what I learned to do. 
I would stay till the end of every worship event that I would attend because I wanted to draw out as much as I could from that experience. You guys kind of get what I'm saying? Now, when my wife, when we got married, we had no kids yet, she would come with me. She would be the person sitting in the second row at the end of the night. Everyone's leaving, and I'm just like, hold on, babe. I'm just, I'm going to talk for a bit. Just give me a second. And she would try to, you know, not roll her eyes at me. Um, but she knew that this was important to me as a, as a worshiper and as a musician. Um, this week I did two funerals in two weeks. It also gave me the privilege when I do funerals and I'm the officiant to ride in the front seat of the car with the funeral director. And it, I could just sit there if I want, but I have made it my point to draw as much out of that experience as I can. And, and there, this all ties into the message. Just track with me. Uh, I, I developed two questions that I always love to ask them. And my first is my favorite. I say, so what on earth made you want to be a funeral director? Because it's not a pleasant job necessarily. You know what? They, they usually, I think, five out of five answered me. They said, well, it's a calling and I thought, wow, I don't even know if these people are believers. I don't. But they said, it's a calling. And I said, I, I believe you. You're absolutely right. Because, I mean, you couldn't pay some people enough money to do what you're doing today. But then the second favorite question, and this is just for my personal interest. I said, what's the craziest experience you've ever had as a funeral director? And trust me, there, there are some where they said, we had to call the cops on two brothers because they, they, there was so much tension. Another one, she said there was, the, the, there was a young girl, a teenager. Her father passed away. And then the father's brother. So it was like this young girl and her uncle got into a fist fight. Like this is like in funeral preparation mode. And I thought, that's pretty crazy. And so, yes, you need a calling. But I've learned... To be in these situations, and this is what the funeral director said to me this past week. She said, most people, most priests or pastors that I, I ride with me, they just talk on their phone, catch up on missed phone calls and stuff. She said, but you're one of the few who like actually ask me questions. I said, because I want to learn. I want to draw as much as I can from you know this short car ride from the church or the chapel to the cemetery. And did you know the same is true with church life? With, with Sunday morning church, you have an opportunity to draw from the well, but it's your opportunity. I can't force anyone. And then let's land it here this morning for where we're headed. You can get as much or as little as you want from Jesus. You can get as much or as little as you want from Jesus. And so this is the reality this morning is this, you have no excuse. You have only a finger to point at yourself. And so if you have your Bible with me, turn to Mark chapter 5 because I want us to capitalize on the opportunity we have today. Would you stand with me if you're able to Mark chapter 5? We're going to begin reading at verse 21 and I'll be reading from the New Living Translation. It'll also be on the screen as well. So Mark chapter 5 verse 21, if you're there, shout amen. 
Amen. So here's what it says. Jesus got into the boat again and went back to the other side of the lake where a large crowd gathered around him on the shore. Then a leader of the local synagogue, whose name was Jairus, arrived. When he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet, pleading fervently with him. My little daughter is dying, he said. Please come and lay your hands on her. Heal her so she can live. Jesus went with him, and all the people followed, crowding around him. A woman in the crowd had suffered for 12 years with constant bleeding. She, she had suffered a great deal for many doctors, and over the years she had spent everything she had to pay them, but she had gotten no better. In fact, she had gotten worse. She had heard about Jesus, so she came up behind him through the crowd and touched his robe. For she thought to herself, if I can just touch his robe, I will be healed. Immediately the bleeding stopped, and she could feel in her body that she had been healed of her terrible condition. Jesus realized at once that healing power had gone out from him, so he turned around in the crowd and asked, Who touched my robe? His disciples said to him, Look at the crowd pressing around you. How can you ask who touched me? But he kept on looking around to see who had done it. Then the frightened woman, trembling at the realization of what, hap what had happened to her, came and fell to her knees in front of him and told him what she had done. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Your suffering is over. And while he was still speaking to her, messengers arrived from the home of Jairus, the leader of the synagogue. And they told him, your daughter is dead. There, there's no use troubling the teacher now. But Jesus overheard them. Another translation, yours might say, ignored them. And said to Jairus, don't be afraid. Just have faith. Then Jesus stopped the crowd and wouldn't let anyone go with him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. When they came to the home of the synagogue leader, Jesus saw much commotion and weeping and wailing. He went inside and asked, Why all this commotion and weeping? The child isn't dead. She's only asleep. And the crowd laughed at him. But he made them all leave. And he took the girl's father and mother with his three disciples into the room where the girl was laying. Holding her hand, he said to her, Talitha kum, which means little girl, get up. And the girl who was 12 years old immediately stood up and walked around. They were overwhelmed and totally amazed. Let's pray. Father, I thank you this morning for your word. God, I pray that as we look and consider what you have to say to us today, Father, that we would receive today from you, that we would receive a word in season for our lives And Father, I pray ultimately that we would draw as much as we can from every opportunity we have. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. You may be seated this morning. The story starts in verse 21 with Jesus and a man named Jairus. He was a leader in the synagogue, the scripture says. And his big issue, his big problem is his young daughter, who's about 12 years old, is dying. This I mean, that's pretty serious. That's a serious thing. And so he runs up to Jesus, and he fervently is pleading for Jesus to come. And this was his belief. He said, please come lay your hands on her. Heal her so she can live. So would you agree with me that he had a measure of faith, right? He said, if Jesus would come and put his hands on my daughter, I'm believing that she will live and not die. And so this is where Jairus is at. 
And what's interesting to note, verses 21 and verses, verse 24, let us know that there are large crowds around Jesus on this particular day. So there are large crowds around him. It's telling us twice. So it's reminding us that this is an important thing to note. Mark 5.24, Jesus went with him. So Jesus, when Jairus comes, he, he says, okay, let's, let's go. Jesus went with him and all the people followed, crowding around him. So that's the first part of this story with Jairus. This story is sandwiched around the story of another healing, a woman with persistent bleeding. Now, Jairus believed, we said it, that a touch from Jesus would heal his daughter. But here's the woman with the issue of blood. She had greater faith. I want to tell you, she had greater faith. Why? Because she thought if she could only touch Jesus' clothes, she could be healed. So I don't know if you can see it, the, the contrast. And they're both right. They both have faith. But we can say and conclude that uh, this woman had greater faith. Because Jairus said, you can come, and if you lay your hands, she will live. But this woman with the issue of blood said, if I could just reach out and touch the hem of his garment, I can be healed. So there was great faith. You see, she was ready to take advantage of the opportunity. And this morning, the title of my message is simply this, as much as you want. As much as you want. As much as you want. And so we get to verse 25 to 34, and we see this story, and it's a familiar story if you grew up in church. I'm pretty sure I've preached on it before as well, but today the emphasis is going to be on what happens. You see, there's the crowd. The, it told us in verse 21 and verse 24 that there are people, they're all around they would have been touching, rubbing up against Jesus as he's walking with Jairus to, to get to his house. But Jesus stops and he said, something different just happened. Healing virtue flowed out. Now it's not that Jesus, it's like he felt a, a portion of his strength leave his body. And he was like, oh, I'm getting weak now. She drew all my, my healing power out. No, he's not a superhero. <laughs> Some of us watch a bit of those shows and we think, oh, Jesus felt like he was getting weak because healing virtue flowed. No, he just, I think, had this understanding that there was a different touch now. And he, he knew power left his body to touch her body. Now, what was different? What was different? People were touching him, right? We could, let's just use that expression. She, she was just one in a million but she became the one of the million. You see the difference? One in a million is, oh, what are the odds? What, what are the chances, right? She became the one out of the million. And this is important to note because Jesus stopped. I mean, the disciples even said, Jesus, this, this is ridiculous. I mean, what do you mean who touched you? Don't you know there are so many people? He's like, no, no, no. Someone touched me intently, on purpose. Why? She says in verse 28, this was her belief. But if I could just touch the hem of his garment, I know I can be healed. So it was a special touch that, that caught his attention. There was only one touch that caused healing virtue to flow out of him. Say this with me, as much as I want. As much as I want. Turn to your neighbor and say, as much as you want.
you can get out of Jesus. And so in the same manner, I believe that is why outcomes of our Sunday gatherings in church are quite varied. The outcome is varied. Some leave with burdens lifted. Some leave with answered prayer, with healing, or with a renewed confidence. People come and find life in Jesus. But others leave just as indifferent as when they walked in. Or just as sad and heavy as they walked in. Listen, you might say, well, the pastor didn't preach as well. Well, listen, it's not dependent on me. His word is here, and this is what I faithfully give you. Jesus never changes. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so what changes, I think, is us, our circumstance. If life gets you down, you walk in here down. If life is, yay, happy, you had a great Saturday, you come in touching the sky. And you say, oh, Jesus is amazing. And when we sing, your hands shoot up at like 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 bamboo sticks, straight to the heavens. And you're, you're walking on clouds. But if life is hard, you're not in the same place. What's changing? Not God. Not His goodness. What changes is life. Life is what changes. And we have to learn as believers, though this changes in front of me, my eyes aren't fixed on the temporal. They're fixed on the eternal. Amen? So when life changes, my eyes are still on the same thing. Nothing should change in my belief system. But too many times we live life based on feelings and emotions. And when life gets us down, suddenly God seems so far away. But is he? No. You can draw as much from the source as you want. And this is the key. Remember, you can draw as much as you want. Our church experience is not dependent upon the worship. It's not dependent upon who's standing at the pulpit to preach God's word. You know what it depends on? How desperate are you reaching out for God in this atmosphere? You know what we strive to do every Sunday? To provide the great, and a great atmosphere and a great environment for you to encounter God. And to remove every distraction that might hinder that experience. That's really my mission on a Sunday. Obviously we want to preach the word and, and give you food for your soul. But in reality, once we set the atmosphere, you got to show up to play. Think of a sports field. I mean, you can't just show up expecting to win, but you just want to sit on the bench. No, you got to warm up. you got to prepare. you got to prepare your mental game. you got to prepare physically. Uh, the mental game really is what wins. I mean, if your body is injured, you're going to have a hard time. But as long as you're in shape, a lot of it becomes a mental game. I played years of soccer. And I knew when I was off my game, it was because my mind was thinking on other things. Scouts might be watching. Uh, that player is really good, and I don't know if I can keep up with him. When the ball goes over my head as a left fullback in soccer. Those were so, and if you spend too much time thinking and wandering in those directions, you will not be focused on the game and what your mission is for that match. And so in the same way, when we show up to church, I mean, if we just aimlessly wander and let our minds wander, and oh, look, cool. Um, looks like the lights are a bit brighter this week. 
Uh, or, oh, the AC is, is colder today than last, last week. That's good because it's really humid outside. You know, you're going to miss out on a whole opportunity. Or if you're looking to see, is my, I got, oh yeah, I got to remember, I got to talk to so-and-so. I haven't seen them yet. Uh, or you're catching up on sleep during the message. I don't know. I mean, you can sleep later. That's what I do. I pass out when my kids are like watching TV after Sunday lunch. But the beauty is this. This is your opportunity just as much as it is my opportunity to share the word. It's your opportunity to grab as much as you need or as much as you want. And I, here's my honest belief that there's more than you can handle when you say, yes, God, give it to me. I want it. There's more than enough for you. And so here's this woman's outlook. We said it. She said, she thought to herself, if I can just touch his robe, I'll be healed. I will be healed. Some of us need to begin to talk like, like this woman. Maybe for too long we've been coming and just accepting reality, accepting your current state or your current situation, and we've forgotten who God says he is. I want to encourage you today, every time you wake up, Remind yourself who God is. I know people that have like these affirmation lists and every morning they read through them to not only remind themselves who they are, but remind themselves of who God is in their situation and in their life to make the best of every day, to make the best of every opportunity. And so she said, this is my opportunity. The conditions for her were not favorable by any means. Let me share with you why. She was ceremonially unclean. The issue of blood, usually in the menstrual period, meant you had to stay away from people. When that was all cleaned up, then you can rejoin. But this woman had the issue of blood, not just for a, a period in the month, for 12 long years. She was ceremonially unclean. So for 12 long years, she was basically at a, a disadvantage in society because she couldn't go out. She couldn't be around people. So you might have a hard situation, but so did she. She had a hard and unfavorable condition. And yet, she was the one that Jesus stopped for. You see, she could have had every excuse. I can't go there. I can't press through the crowd. But she didn't let it stop her. She said, if I can just touch, I can get as much as I need from him. Anyone here ever go to like a meet and greet with like a famous artist, a musician, or an athlete, or an actor, or actress, if that's your thing? I don't know. Um, a few hands went up, but I could imagine maybe it's like someone you've loved to meet, and you shake their hand, and maybe jokingly, if someone was with you, you're like, I'm never going to wash my hand, <laughs> right? Because you don't want that, that charm or charisma to rub off. I don't know. Uh, for me, I remember that night in the picture, because I was sitting in the front row, um, one of Israel Houghton's picks fell off, uh, I guess fell off the stage, and I, I eyed it for the rest of the night, and at the end of the concert, everyone kind of left, well, I grabbed it, and I kept it, and you know what, it wasn't because I was like, oh, it was more because there was such an anointing on his music, uh, this is back in 2004, there's such an anointing that I said, Lord, if, if that anointing on him is somewhat tangible, I said, I'm going to keep this pick and I'll just use it every time I practice so that the same anointing that's on his ministry will be on me as well. 
Uh, I'm not playing much music these days, but uh, I probably lost the pick as well. But we, we get a bit like that, don't we? We, we kind of say, oh, I don't want the, you know, the, oh, it smells like him or his cologne or her perfume. I, I don't want it to rub off. So we, we even spend so many hours in line waiting, some of us, to meet these famous people. And maybe you even get a picture. Even further, maybe you even got the picture signed and you're, you're all happy. Um, it just leads us to see that you can have as much from the experience as you want, right? I'm sure if you wait four hours in line, you're going to make sure I get a signature. I'm going to make sure I get a, a, a quick selfie with the person. But do we feel like that with Jesus? I know I'm, I'm poking this morning, but that's okay. Do we feel like that with Jesus? It's awfully quiet. It's okay. I'm going to let it sink in a bit. Do we feel like that with Jesus? Because to me, if he walked this earth in our day, I mean, just read the, read the text. People, crowds were around him. Pressing in. Pressing in. But even at that, it was just one person that's at least recorded, that he stopped for. So it tells me we can pack out this church, we can bring in a guest speaker, guest worship team, have all this amazing stuff, we can host a conference, and God willing in our future we will, because I still believe in that. There's much value to gain from those experiences, but are we ready to draw out from those experiences? Are we willing to wait? Maybe there would be a lineup outside of church one day. Are you going to be like, oh, forget it. I can't even park the car. I'm not going to wait in line. But if it was for a, a famous person, we'd be, I'll take the subway to get there. If I have to, I'll bring my umbrella and stand outside in the rain. I've done it. That's why I'm speaking from experience. But are we willing to do it for Jesus? And that's, that's what I'm asking today. And it's not a question that I need you to answer to me. Because you can have as much as you want. I'm just leading you to the water hoping that you will start to drink today. Amen? And so Jesus, we can have as much or as little. I said it already. You could be one in a million, or you could be the one out of a million. And so there are three ways to be the one and not the million that I just found in this text. Number one, lay aside excuses. Lay aside excuses. We already said this woman had... She wasn't in a favor favorable condition. She wasn't supposed to be out in public. She wasn't supposed to be around the people. But she laid aside every excuse. And she said, I'm going to go and receive what only Jesus can offer me. And I'm going to get what I came here for. Number two is to take a faith-filled risk. Learn to take faith-filled risks in life. And by the way, when I say a faith-filled risk, it's not something foolish. The faith-filled risk should always be a risk that will bring you closer to Jesus. That's what I'm talking about. If one day they say it's illegal to carry a Bible and to preach the Word, to me this would be a faith-filled risk. That I would open my mouth and open the Word and preach the Word. Because I could be thrown in jail, but I will do it. Because that's what God called me to do. And this woman took a risk. I don't know what the consequences might have been if she would have been caught, um, but she took a risk and it paid off for her. And I just want to tell you that if you would be willing to 
to risk a little. What do I mean by risk? I'm not saying, oh, give me a thousand dollars and Jesus will heal you. I've heard preachers say that. I, I've been in some services years ago where a man said, bring a picture of your unsaved loved one and uh, we're going to pray over them. So I thought, okay, I'm going to find an unsaved loved one and I'm going to bring the picture. And this was at my home church growing up. And it was a guest minister. And what he did is you can only bring up the picture if you had the offering in your hand. And the offering was going to the guest minister. And, uh, and the, the, the pastor at the time had to correct what was going on. And the, the services ended quite abruptly. Um, but that's not how it works with God. It's not how it works. We just have to come and be willing to take a faith-filled risk. Not money, but to say, God, I'm reaching out. It might, you might say, I look foolish. You might just feel compelled during worship to come and kneel at the altar and lift your hands. Who cares? If you're coming to grab as much of Jesus as you can, I don't care what it looks like. If, if I need something, guess what? Get out of my way. I'll, I'll push and shove. Black Friday, whatever, Cyber Monday, Cyber's digital. So Black Friday in the States, I, I don't even look at the news headings anymore. Hearing who got trampled and this to grab the TV and the wedding dress and hospitalized. Like, it's crazy. But you do what you need to do. Take a faith-filled risk to get what you need from Jesus. Because he's more than willing. But I believe God's calling us to action. So... The last thing, so lay aside excuses. Number two, take faithful risks that bring you closer to Jesus. Number three, get as much as you possibly can. Get as much as you possibly can from the experience. For some of us, just like the lady, all it might mean is, I just, if I could just touch the hem of his garment. For some of us, it might, might mean, no, I need Jesus to, to slap me upside the head. I need that kind of encounter with him, with his love. However it looks like, get as much as you possibly can. So what's her outcome? We're going to get to Jairus. We're, we're doing good for time, don't worry. So what's her outcome? Jesus says in chapter 5 of Mark, verse 34, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Your suffering is over. So is it worth it? Absolutely. Absolutely. Daughter, your... Notice he didn't say your touch has made you well. But that's what she did. But Jesus remarked not on her touch, how she reached out, but on her faith. Jesus remarked about her faith. Daughter, your faith has made you well. Your suffering is over. What an incredible outcome. You see, I have to believe Jairus is still quite close to Jesus... Remember, his story is sandwiched with this lady's story. And so Jairus must have been right around watching this. Now, Jairus had a measure of faith. He said, if you would only come and touch my daughter, lay your hand on her, I believe she can be healed. Now we're going to see what happens. They're going, and we're going to pick it up in verse 35. It says that while Jesus was still speaking to her, the woman with the issue of the blood who was healed now, the messengers arrived from this man Jairus' house. You know what they tell them? They say, Jairus, it's too late. She's, your daughter's already dead. And they proceed to tell her, don't, don't bother tell, like, telling the teacher to come anymore. Like, 
it's over. And I love Jesus. He hears it, and he ignores what they say, and he responds to Jairus. What does he say? Verse 36, don't be afraid, just have faith. You see, it's one thing to have faith because she's not dead yet. Now it's a completely different thing to have faith when the messenger's already told you, sir, your daughter's dead. You see that? So he had a measure of faith, but now his faith, after seeing this woman healed, I'm sure when Jesus is saying it, now he's got a, okay, this is like a next level faith. I didn't know I necessarily had it, Jesus, but I'm going to the next level of faith here because they just told me she's dead. You're saying, don't be afraid, have faith. Right? Heartbeat, heart rate rises, and they continue walking. And something incredible happens. Verse 37 tells us that Jesus, right after he says that to Jairus, don't be afraid, just have faith. Verse 37 says, Then Jesus stopped the crowd and wouldn't let anyone go with him except Peter, James, and John. I don't know why Jesus did that. But, but that's where I kind of got hung up in the text and in the story. Because the other one where the lady was coming, there were people all around and she was healed. But now he stops the crowd and he says, stop. So I just had to think a lot about that. And I, wanna, I wrote my notes, so I don't want to jump ahead of myself. But the first miracle happened in the midst of a crowd. And now Jesus is stopping the crowd. Verse 38 says, they arrive at home. There's commotion and weeping and wailing. The next verse 40. Actually, let me read from verse 37. Cal, can we put it back up from verse 37? Jesus stopped the crowd. He wouldn't let anyone go with him except Peter, James, and John. Verse 38. When they came to the home of the synagogue leader, Jesus saw much commotion and weeping and wailing. He went inside and asked, why all this commotion and weeping? The child isn't dead. She's only asleep. And this is the response, verse 40. The crowd laughed at him. The crowd laughed at him. But he made them all leave. And he took the girl's father and mother and his three disciples into the room where the girl was lying. Now, I want to talk a bit about that. You see, uh, when someone would pass away in Jesus' times, they would hire professional uh, mourners. And they would come and they would weep and mourn. And so this is what's happening. Now, if this was, I mean, I would love to ask them, just like I do the funeral director, what makes you want to do this? But this is what we know of that day and age. They would have professional mourners. Jesus tells them, why are you all weeping and wailing and What's all this commotion about? She's not dead. She's just asleep. Now, these professional mourners would be very familiar with death because they're always called to come and mourn professionally. They're hired to do that. What's interesting is they laugh at him. They laugh at Jesus. And there will be people, as you go to take faith-filled risks, as you increase your faith and believe God that I thought it was okay and Jesus could come and heal. Now it's really dead in the water and I don't know what else is going to be able to happen, but I'm having even more faith. There will be people that will laugh and scorn. 
But take note, take a lesson from what Jesus did. He said, this is as far as you're going to go. And there are some healings and miracles that God will and wants to do for you here, publicly. And I don't know why, but there are some, reason, there's some moments where it'll happen where it's just between you and Jesus. And you can still get, whether you're in a crowd, one in a million, or whether you're one-on-one -on -one in your bedroom or in your secret place, where, where you can still draw as much as you want from Jesus. Some of us like the crowd because we feel like we're not alone. And we don't like the solitude of, of being at home or being somewhere or just feeling alone. But in this case, those, those mourners, the professionals that, that laughed at Jesus because they thought they were so familiar with death, they never knew someone who was able to raise another person from the dead. But Jesus was about to do it for, for the first time here. Mark chapter 5. They had never seen anyone do it. But now Jesus was about to change the course of history for them. The crowd laughs. They knew death very well. But he made them all leave. Take a lesson. Some people that might be like that around you say, okay, you know what? You stay there. That's okay. But I'm going to go and I'm going to draw as much as I can from my Jesus. The unbelief shut the mourners out from seeing the miracles. The, their unbelief shut them out from seeing the miracle. And I pray here at church that there is no critic. I mean, you can be critical and not tell me. That's okay. But I pray that when you come, you come for Jesus. Not, you don't come to criticize the worship or the sound or the, the temperature. I mean, let us know if it's cold now or too hot. We can help and easily fix that so it's more comfortable. But, but here's the thing. People who have a critical spirit are often left on the roadside when Jesus does his miracles. I can't tell you why. It's just something about that spirit of unbelief. That misses out on the blessing of God, on the miracles of God. My prayer is that you would be a participant. And, and when I say spectator, I don't just mean, but a spectator meaning you're, you're an eyewitness of what Jesus is doing in this house. You're an eyewitness of what Jesus is doing in the lives of his people. So it's as much as you want. Those were the words my friend Matt and I were told when we were at Whited Bible Camp in Maine. When I was in Bible school, we toured and we traveled. And um, they had like this tuck shop. And at night, they would have like French fries. They would have candies. And my favorite, they would have like ice cream sandwiches. And it was really hot that summer. And usually all the campers, they had to pay. But my friend Matt, he's like, hey, come. The, the guy at the tuck shop wants to talk to us. So we went and he's like, hey, guys, all week long, whatever you want. Just let me know, and I'll, it's yours. You don't have to pay for it. I was like, for real? Now, the first day, I was trying to hold back and, and be reserved. I was like, no, it's okay. Uh, may, okay. Just maybe like a little candy, a few candies. That, that's good. And then I saw my friend. He like said, I'll take an ice cream sandwich. I'll take fries, put the gravy on that, and then I'll take a, you know, some, some lollipops for later. And I looked at him and was like, I missed out. So you know what I did the second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, and seventh days? I was like, hey, tuck shop guy, I will take two ice cream sandwiches. I'll take two fries because we've been running around all day. 
and then I'll take some, a bag of, full of candy. And he's like, sure, no problem. As much as you want. As much as you want. See, you don't have to hold back like me on the first day of camp. I mean, I was new. I didn't know. Like, did he really mean what he said? I want you to know that Jesus always said what he meant, and he always meant what he said. He didn't slip up on his words. He always spoke exactly the truth and exactly what he was willing and able to do. And so don't hold back from him, church. Don't hold back. Don't, don't think, uh, I'm afraid to ask because it's a big ask. Just ask. Ask. The Bible says you have not because you ask not. So ask today as much as you want, as much as you need. And I believe that God is more than able and more than willing Because aren't we a lot like that in life? We know how to ask when it comes to, uh, you know, a hiring. And we say, okay, I want two weeks of vacation. We know how to negotiate those kind of things. You don't have to negotiate with God. You don't have to. You come as you are. And you say, Jesus, I'm asking today. Would you stand to your feet with me? As much as you want. You can have as much of the Holy Spirit as you want. The power of the Holy Spirit. You can have as much as you need for life. You can have as much as you want of Jesus. The Bible says that he's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. You can have as much of him as you want. Remember, every opportunity that we have is an opportunity for us. Together, but even when we're not together, there's an opportunity every single moment of your day If you would acknowledge Jesus and give him, give him your life, then every day you have access to the resource, to the well, to the source of life. And all you have to say is, Jesus, today I need all of you. Because all of you is all I need for life. Amen. Today would you lift your hands to heaven. I want to pray over you. And when you're lifting your hands, you're not lifting them to me, but you're lifting them to the source. And today you might need to just spend one or two minutes drawing from the source. You can have as much as you need, church. So just begin to let him know. Lift your voices. Just begin to call on Jesus and say, Jesus, I need you. Jesus, I need you more than the air I breathe. And Father, I thank you this morning for Weston. God, I thank you for our church. Lord, I thank you for the word. Lord, I thank you that we need faith to believe and to take you at your word. And so, Father, let faith arise in our hearts today that you are the God of miracles. Lord, if you could raise Jairus' daughter from the dead, Father, you could resurrect broken dreams. You can resurrect, Lord, our, our past, Lord, our mistakes, Lord, and resurrect us again to, uh, uh, to live a fresh day, a new day, Lord, in you. Father, you are all that we need. And Father, today we just simply say thank you. Thank you for making a way, for giving us access through Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord, that the, the, the curtain was torn in two. And Father, I thank you today for our church. I thank you for the season that you've brought us into. Lord, I know it's a passing season. God, and I know that there is growth and there is breakthrough in front of us. Lord, I know that it's going to take work. It's going to draw a lot out of us. 
But Father, before that happens, would we learn to draw everything we need from you first? In this season, God, would you fill us up? Lord, I pray for the baptism of your Holy Spirit over your sons and daughters, according to Acts chapter 1 and 2, that we shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon us, that we will be witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the world. And Father, I, we need that power, that boldness to be a witness for you. So Father, I thank you that you've given us your Holy Spirit. Now I ask for more. I ask for more. Father, for those of us who just need fresh strength, Lord, for our work, for life, Father, I pray today that they would draw more from the source, more strength from the source. Lord, for those who've been bitter and hurt, Lord, for too long, Lord, I pray that the joy of the Lord would come, and Father, there would be forgiveness and reconciliation in the name of Jesus. Father, for, for healing, Lord, for sick bodies, today we are encouraged in your word that we can be healed in the name of Jesus. Father, sometimes it might take the laying on of hands, but sometimes it would take faith in us to reach out our hand to heaven and say, Jesus, you are all that I need for my healing. And so God, help us to not be self-reliant on people or on circumstances or surroundings, but God, we lift up our eyes to the heavens from whence cometh our strength. It comes from you. And so, Father, we thank you today. We thank you, Lord, that you go with us when we walk out of this place. Lord, your presence goes with us. We are never alone. And Jesus said, I will never leave you nor forsake you even to the end of the age. And so, God, we thank you and we bless your name. We bless your name. Lord, as a church, may we take full advantage of every opportunity that we have to gather together as your church. Lord, I pray that every time we gather, there would be an open heaven. Father, that heaven would touch and kiss the earth. Lord, and it would change us. Lord, I think of the prayer, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And Father, that's what we desire to see, Lord. In heaven, there is no sickness. So Lord, on earth, may there be no sickness. Lord, use us to pray and to see healing, to see signs and wonders and miracles take place. And Father, at the end of it all, we don't get the glory, but the glory is yours. So God, receive all the glory. And God, we thank you today. We thank you, Lord. We stir up our most holy faith. We stir up our faith today. And Lord, I just pray a blessing over us as we head into our week. Father, may you open doors of opportunity that we can share. That we can share. Jesus was on his way to Jairus' house, but he had to stop for the woman with the issue of blood. God, may we not be so quick to move on to other things if you're telling us stop. Look around. There are people with needs. God, give us those kind of divine appointments this week, I pray. Holy Spirit, give us strength to know what to say. Give us the words. Give us um, discernment. Give us compassion as well. Break our hearts, Lord, for the things that break yours. That we might attend to the needs of people and be your hands and feet. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen and amen. Thank you so much for listening to the Sermon of the Week. God wants to work in your life, and we want to hear about it. Please take a moment to share your story by emailing amen at westernroadchurch.com. 
Thanks again for joining us. We hope listening to this week's message has equipped you to be the light wherever you go.